Welcome to Felony Miami, where we have real conversation with real people about the criminal justice system right here in the United States of America. Productivity is usually a good thing, but not when it comes to mass incarceration. In fact, the harassing and stalking and arresting and incarcerating and ruining the records of those who are guilty of victimless so-called crimes is one of the greatest problems in America today. Unfortunately, our system's flaws play out through the lives of the very people it does its best to destroy. American citizens, our own people, according to human injustices that can be tracked back to the very racist beginnings of this country. The Constitution offers little protection when it doesn't apply to you. This injustice often relates directly to the decision-making power of the prosecutor's office, the legislature, and the judges. Today we invite three veteran attorneys, one of whom is running for circuit court judge, to help us understand the problems and the solutions. Because when there is injustice for one, there is injustice for all. Welcome to Felony Miami. Let's air it out. Hello and welcome back to Felony Miami. I'm your host, Joe Stone, and on today's program, we have three lovely and very intelligent ladies. Welcome to the program. I'm going to introduce you guys one by one here. Uh, to my right, Miss L'Oreal Arscott. Did I say that right? That's correct. All right. She joined the uh, City of Miami Gardens in March of 2016. Prior to joining the city, she served as a litigation attorney in the corporate law department of a major insurance company, primarily practicing insurance defense. Ms. Arscott initially dedicated her practice to family and dependency law, first as a program attorney for the Guardian Ad Litem program, thank you very much, My and pleasure. then as a division chief for Florida's Department of Children and Families, Children's Legal Services. Ms. Arscott received a Bachelor's of Arts in both political science and English while minoring in psychology in 2003. She received her Juris Doctorate from the University of Florida Levin College of Law in 2006. Welcome to the program. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you for being here. Okay, directly across from me is Renee Gordon, born in Miami, Florida, and educated in the Miami-Dade County public school system. Me too. (laughs) (laughs) Jeff Bezos also. He went to my high school. Go Panthers. Uh, Renee learned the importance of education from her mother, who was a public school teacher. Thank you very much. We appreciate teachers. Renee graduated from the University of Connecticut School of Law in 1992. Her talents and interests propelled her to accept the opportunity to work directly with young people in the community by managing the Miami Halfway House, a Department of Juvenile Justice Residential Program for Troubled Youth. Uh, It is from this experience that Renee developed a passion for children's issues. In addition, she has worked with 
uh, as a trial attorney in the Miami-Dade Public Defender's Office for 20-plus years and managed a private law firm with folks on criminal, civil, and probate matters. Welcome. Oh, so good to be here today. Awesome. Thank to you for having, having us. You bet. Thank you. And to my left, Kadisha Phelps, the famous. <laughs> In these circles, here anyway. Um, <laughs> she's an associate of the Miami office of Sweet Apples Broker. Did I say that right? Mm-hmm. And Vargas. And Vargas, mm-hmm. PL. A native of Long Island, New York, Kadisha has worked in both the Miami-Dade and Boca Raton offices, uh, practicing law, and uh, you graduated from the Washington and Lee School mm-hmm. of Law. Wow. Yes, I did. Very impressive. You, that's graduated <laughs> from both of those schools of law. No, it's one oh, okay. school. <laughs> yeah, street <laughs> law and corporate law. <laughs> Kadisha participated in the Virginia Commonwealth Clearinghouse, a legal clinic where she assisted court-appointed attorneys in defending capital cases and served as a legal intern at the New York Stock Exchange Enforcement Division. Mm. Kadisha has successfully litigated in Miami-Dade, Broward, and Palm Beach counties, handling both plaintiff and defense side of matters, and has represented former NFL players in various complex business and investment disputes. Kadisha's primary area is in general commercial litigation. You make me sound good, Joe. Hey. <laughs> what we're here to do. Yeah, that was nice. Thank you. Thank you. Welcome to the show. Thank you guys for being here. So let me uh, just start out by saying thank you for the work you guys uh, do. And um, I know, Renee, you are running for a seat uh, yes. In the judicial branch, yes, uh, circuit court judge, circuit group court fourteen. Judge. Okay, and that's an elected position. It certainly is. It's elected official position, and all registered voters in Miami Dade County can vote. Oh, that's great. Mm-hmm. See, I always think it's. Um, I think the electorate over these last forty years in this country has become uh, numb and dumb uh, mm-hmm. because. Uh, it's it's and it's not that the people are dumb. It's that they've that they've been numbed to political and judicial issues because a lot of these people, if you ask them the statistics on an NFL player, they can tell you from their college days, from their high school days. They can tell you how many passes, how many receptions, how many. So mm-hmm. clearly, people have the capacity. It's just the the, the level of interest, and um, I hope we can bring some interest because I think it's very important. That we know who the people are that we're that we're putting in these very important positions, especially in today's climate, where it seems like the the, the judiciary is uh, our uh, last and best line of defense. Exactly. Absolutely, and it's certainly under attack. Let's add that for you. Yes, yes. <laughs> it certainly is. And right. what most people don't understand is how local politics and local judges affect them almost immediately, because we think of Congress people and they, you know, make the law. But what we really don't understand is how that law is practiced and applied is the judge. Right. And it's critical. Yeah, we hear about the police and right. we hear about the... Um, the president. Yeah, the right. president. Well, Congress, yeah, the, right. we, yeah, we hear about the legislative branch and mm-hmm. we hear about the policing forces, but the judiciary we don't hear enough about. Mm-hmm. Um, so just tell me real quick, uh, if you can, what's the difference between a, a judge that gets elected by the county uh, constituents and a judge that gets appointed and then needs to be reelected. Well, why don't I let L'Oreal discuss that? Because <laughs> okay. L'Oreal has an awesome project called the JDI, which she chairs, and it's okay. just been really like adamant about judges, the appointment, 
and the electoral process. So let's let her talk about All that. All right, let's hear it, Loria. Thanks, Renee. Um, so JDI, the Judicial Diversity Initiative, is an initiative, it's a collaboration of all the Black Bar Associations in South Florida. And of course, the aim of that organization is to make sure that we have a diverse bench and that the bench in South Florida accurately reflects the community that it serves. So to go to your question before I give you more uh, background on JDI, um, there's really no difference. A judge is either appointed or elected. Okay. But at some point, all judges are going to face an election. So the, the criteria to determine whether a judge is appointed or elected really just depends on how they're trying to get on the bench to begin with. So what that means is whether they're feeling a vacancy from a judge that's retired okay. before their term has expired or whether they're filling in a vacancy for a judge who's retired right before the election. So the key is okay. when, is a, when is the judge going to retire or when is the vacancy become available to simplify it? So that's when the appointment occurs. Right. So Otherwise, the, you have to run an exactly. election. Yes. Exactly. So the okay. governor then appoints the judge to the bench Right. if a judge, the previous judge, retires before that election comes. But okay. regardless all of those judges are going to face an election. And is the election for your uh, appointment, um, for your seat, uh, November 6th as well? As no, it's our... August 28th. It's the so primary. So it's a different day. Okay, yes. it's a primary. And to add to what um, L'Oreal states. So it's August 28th. It's August 28th, okay. 2018. It's okay. the primary. Okay. It comes down to who makes the decision. Right. In an appointment, the governor makes the decision. And that can be very political, depending on the governor. Yes. Right. As we've seen in the state of Florida. Right. Our state <laughs> is a I've good seen, example. Although I've seen some appointments yes. uh, by past uh, governors, mm -hmm. and I'm talking 20 mm -hmm. plus years ago, that were surprising. Mm -hmm. People that I know. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, and I was like, wow, that, that guy. happens. Point, yeah. But the person that but you maybe knew. maybe that's political also. Right. The person you knew knew somebody. They didn't maybe. just. Right. No, yeah. 100%. Or they made a name for themselves. Somewhere. So they knew someone. Right. Someone. And that's where yeah. the politics comes that's in. That's where the politics right. comes But the, the distinguishing factor, like Renee is saying, if you're appointed, you're appointed by the governor. The governor makes the decision. If you're running a race, that's the people make the decision. That's what I'm right. Right. And, and, and do you, I mean, I, I guess there's an argument both ways for that. Mm -hmm. um, for sure. Because, mm -hmm. as I said in the beginning, it seems that some people uh, have become numb to this process and they may simply vote um, for the person that, you know, well, if it's Republican or Democrat that has a D next to their name or somebody might say, oh, I'm going to vote for the woman or I'm going to vote for the one with the last name that sounds Jewish or I'm going to mm -hmm. vote for, or you know, Latin, last yeah, or Latin. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So which it, is very common in Dade County. Sure. And right. I'm, sure, I'm sure that must happen all over all over the country. Right. You People self-identify. Yeah. Listen, I've done it before. I said, don't we all do it? If you yeah. don't know either way, you go, yeah. around, I mean, a woman yeah, or like, a, yeah, a Jewish me, person or a Latin last name. The last 10 years or so, I'm pretty much all women down the line. Like, you. Yeah, because yeah, no, here's the bottom line. I've d decided <laughs> that women need to be in charge of some stuff now because these old white men have not done the best job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? And the country's not all white men, right? No, it right? Isn't. So the judges should look like the people right. that they're right. serving. And, and I think I, I think we get a little confused down here sometimes because Miami is this beautiful melting pot of mm -hmm. cultures mm -hmm. and, and, mm -hmm. and from so many countries and so it's really the to me it's it's a beautiful depiction of what America is mm -hmm. and hopefully should be because Miami's right. a, a melting pot, but it's a bubble also. Mm -hmm. But right. there's because you know in this side of town there's super wealthy people and you know four blocks away there's horrible poverty, poverty. just cross the train yeah. tracks yeah, yeah. Yes. Right. right right and a lot of people don't see that poverty but it exists for black and white here for sure and uh you know hopefully 
we can do something about that. Right. Mm-hmm. So uh, going forward with with the the judicial stuff, um, tell me why you think diversity is important. Well, just like you were kind of hinting at, you know, Miami is a beautiful melting pot. Now, regardless of whether or not we have different sex, different communities are a little bit more isolated. Mm -hmm. There were recent studies that indicated that we are more segregated now than we were in the 1950s when uh, Brown versus the Board of Education passed. But in general, we are a melting pot and we are very unique. We're a very unique city. But unfortunately, the bench doesn't look like that. That's that's true because I I try to go down to the courthouse and pay visits as part of my work for this show mm-hmm. and see what's happening and see you know because mm-hmm. early in the show mm-hmm. I was advised by somebody that's in the system they're like you should probably go down to the courthouse and hang out and see what's and up see for yourself because right. you know there is crime mm-hmm. and there are people that need to be dealt with and then there's this other issue that seems. It seems like a lot of brown people are outnumbering the amount of actual people in the system. And I always say this by, like, uh, the city is not the same uh, makeup as the jails. Right. Correct. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's country, what's national. Right. Right. Around the country. Around the country. Right, that's what it looks right. like. Yeah, it's right. not, the, the prisons don't have 12%, uh, you know, black and brown people. The numbers are much higher. Right. It's one mm. of the reasons we started this show because of the, those injustices. Mm-hmm. Um, so, do you? Let me just ask you this directly, Renee. Do you think because you're a black woman that that would influence your position on whether the defendant standing in front of you is black or white? Well, here's what I'm going to tell you about diversity and why it's critical and why you need different perspectives. Businesses already know that. Businesses know that in order to stay innovative, in order to stay current, they need different perspectives. And in order to get different perspectives, they need different people because it helps make good decisions. Now, how do we translate that to the bench? Well, listen, on the bench, you need different perspectives. Judges are in a bubble. They can't talk to people about their cases. So who do they talk to? One another. But if you look like me and I look like you and we come from the same backgrounds, then we get the same decision. It's an echo chamber. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, but when you have a diverse group and you get to get different perspectives and different perspectives, it makes such a difference. Mm-hmm. In addition to that, there are issues judges rule on credibility. Come on. And so when you have someone before you understand, you've experienced it, you know it, you bring your your issues of credibility to the table. And I think that makes a difference. I think diversity is desperately needed because it helps us make better decisions. Two, there's the issue of fairness. So when you go to a court and nobody looks like you, Mm. what about fairness and the appearance of fairness? And Yeah, I would like to touch on this because I think it's important for the viewers to understand this because I want to give like a broad perspective and then like narrow into why we're here. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a very tense time in our country right now. It's a lot of racial tension. I think we all are trying to figure out what can I do in my personal life to make it better. And it's a real struggle right now in the black community, specifically black and Latin community, specifically with black men. Okay, we're lacking black men in our community because they're in prison. So what does that mean? You, you lack a husband, you lack a father, you lack positive role models. Yeah. And that's something that goes deep within our community that I don't think we even realize. If we really want to go deep, it goes back to slavery days as to how our family was structured. 
Then how how do you mean that? Because there was no black family on the slave plantation. Okay, okay. they moved around black men throughout uh, the plantations for reproductive reasons. Okay, there was no respect for the black marriage. Okay, never look at a man and say, identify that's your wife. That woman can is property of the slave master. Mm. Okay, you're not a black father. Okay, you don't discipline your son. I can take your 13-year-old son and bring him to a different plantation. You never see him again. Mm. So you go through the civil rights movement, and now here you see the same brokenness in the black community. Yeah. And I think it starts with the U.S. legal system, yeah. and that's what slavery was. It was, a legal, it was a law, right, that you were a slave. So when you continue it now, so n- now a lot of black men don't have black fathers. The streets raise them, right? So you have a single woman who's trying to be a mom and a dad, Okay, and then when you live in certain poverty areas, who are successful? The drug dealers. Yeah. Right. You don't have a professor or a doctor or a music executive or a lawyer as your neighbor. Okay. So naturally, we replicate what we see. Okay. So the majority, when I did that work in law school with um, black men, most of my clients were black men on death row, and that's an awful thing, right? You're a murderer. You killed somebody. Yeah. Right. But then you get to know the defendant. He really had no chance. He was around murder his entire life. Right. Okay? That was, that was survival mechanism for him. Okay? So the criminal justice system is broken, uh, period. But how do we change that? It change, well, let me say, it changes with the relationship between the police and the community. Right. Right? And, I mean, is, is, it, is the system itself broken? Yes. Is, is the yes. system broken? Yes. Yes. I think what it takes to well, get arrested. Okay. Well, that, but. Okay. Do you, do you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I mean, on the policing side. But that's where it yeah. starts. That's where it yeah, starts. You got to get arrested starts. first, yes. right? And These... I guess where some of the laws are being made also. And the discretion that law enforcement has. Yes. Right. I would agree. So who, so Coconut Grove, for example, the same amount of marijuana is being smoked in Coconut Grove, right? By white people and black people. Probably right. more by white people. Exactly. But of who course. gets arrested? The black people. Right. So let's yes. just right. So let's just start. Absolutely. There, right. And yeah. the police officers that are roaming Coconut Grove, the black area, are not from that area. Right? They didn't grow up with these black kids. They didn't right. see you pay T ball. Right? Right. Period. So that's that's what we can you can start there. Then once you're arrested, you gotta get a lawyer. Okay? That's expensive. Yes. Okay. Very. So do most of the public defenders look like Renee? Not necessarily. So then that's like a disconnect. Right. Right? I, yeah. I mean I and I don't want to put down the public defender's no, office no, because never, I think never. the work they're doing is amazing. Absolutely, but, but they're, they're, over, over, yes. they're overworked they're and they're not necessarily yes. from those communities either. Correct. Not necessarily. Yeah. Right? Right. Then your third step is that you go before a judge to make that decision. Sure. That judge is probably not from your community. Right. Don't look like you. Right. right? So right. certain things that Renee or somebody from Renee's background is going to bring to the bench naturally. Right? Sure, yeah. It's going to be different. Of course. Okay, so when yeah. she learns about this defendant, has no father. Mother's yeah. addicted to crack. Right. There's, they've been prostituting her since she was 12. Right. She may give a little rehabilitation type of, you know, sure. as opposed to just punishing. Because, yeah, because that's one of the problems in, in the system now. It seems like a lot of punishment and not enough uh, correction and or direction. Right. And... Uh, especially when it comes to our children. And let me just share with you, I as a lawyer and often in the criminal justice system have to be the face of my client to try to educate the judge on the bench about things about my client. For example, when a judge said to my client, I'm putting you in a residential program for contempt because you did not go to school the first week of school. 
And when my client said, because I didn't have any clothes, the judge, look, you're wearing clothes now. That's a lie. You've lied. And you and she's getting ready. For and I said, hold up a minute, judge. Let me explain something to you. The first week of school is critical. And most kids want to come there impressive with new clothes on. Mm-hmm. So when my client says he didn't have any clothes, he meant he didn't have any new clothes. You know why he didn't have any new clothes? Because his mom did not receive her benefits in order to get new clothes. He was not trying to defy your cont- um, order to go to school. Right. Give me two weeks. He's now getting some clothes. Give me two weeks and watch the difference. And she said, what? He didn't go to school because he didn't have new clothes? She didn't understand, but she did give me the opportunity to give two weeks. Well, what do you think happened? That client went to school. But that client would have been in a six-month residential program because a judge— How old was this? Fifteen. Because the judge really didn't have the perspective. Sure. Right. And she made a credibility issue not understanding the culture. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think that's an important point that Renee brought up a little bit earlier— the reality is that judges are people. They bring yes. to the bench their perspective, yeah. their experiences in life. So, you know, as Kadisha was pointing out, it, certain judges may see a set of facts differently from other judges. So if we go back and, and look at it in a broader view, in the state of Florida, Miami, we're doing a little bit better than the rest of the state, right? Yeah. Our bench in Miami is about 50-50 men and women. So when you look at it on the gender lines, about 50-50 men and women. That's pretty good. It sounds great, right? Like we're doing awesome compared to other places in the state. Sure. When you start breaking it down along racial lines, we're not doing that great. No. It absolutely doesn't look like the community. So that means that those judges are bringing a narrower perspective to the bench. Mm -hmm. So when we break down those figures, 50-50 men and women, what does that look like? The majority of the women are split almost equally. Let me rephrase that. The women are split, white women and Hispanic women, almost equally. When we talk about African-American women, right now there's only three on the bench in Miami-Dade County. Two are in county court. One just recently was elevated to circuit court. Of the two in county court, one is retiring this year. Oh, okay. Hence the other vacancy. Now, will that vacancy be filled with an election or an appointment? That's an, an election. election. See, you're learning. Listen. If we have litigants, you know, you talked about that numbness a little bit earlier. If we have litigants who come in the court, it, remember, the judicial system is not just made up of criminal court, right? Right. It's dependency court. It's civil litigation. Immigration. Kadisha does civil litigation. Mm-hmm. It's immigration. So when we look at bigger picture, what are the courts for? For people to solve problems, right? right? Yeah. So if it's a landlord-tenant thing, if you're going through a divorce, mm-hmm. if it's a criminal matter, ultimately you're coming to the courts to help you solve a problem. Right. If the judges bring a certain perspective to the bench, they may view you as a litigant in a different light because they're able to be more empathetic. Right. Sure. I mean, I mean, yeah, that's as you Naturally. said, you know, mm-hmm. and, and these people, they're people. They're people. Right. Yeah. Right. And uh, yeah, sometimes they, they may have a difficult day. And the other thing that Renee brought up is that they can't discuss these things with anybody else but each other. And, uh, and like I'm you sure said, that's tricky because, you know, right. because, yeah, that's also one of the ways that human beings, how we process things right. is by right. saying them out loud and hearing what they sound like. But if you and I went to school together, went to law school together, we went to the same synagogue, we both practice complex business litigation, we are ballers yeah. who live off of 
um, Kibis Kane and Pinecrest, and we're bouncing ideas off of each other on how to deal with this broken back black family. Right. How should this kid go to residential? Should I put this drug addict right. mother back in the house? Do we have the empathy? Necessary? I now, don't even know if it's empathy because I. <sighs> Lack of exposure, a lot of it. And I caution, yeah. I caution yeah. myself Something. to say that because yeah. I do have, we have a lot of great judges who are we do. able, we do. We do. who yeah. are yeah. able to and, say And I've heard that, listen, right. doing, and doing this show now, you know, I, I have learned a tremendous amount. And one of the things I have learned is that we have a great system. It may be broken in many areas, but our mm-hmm. system of law. In theory. Theoretical system. <laughs> in theory. Yes. Right. Is, is one of the best in the world. Right. And that uh, in our state, Miami Dade happens to be a very well functioning. We're more progressive than others. Let's right. say Within that. Florida. Let's though. say that. Right. Yes. Yeah. And, and you know, but when it I, comes I wanna... to our children, I'm going to tell you, no, well, we are number one in direct filing. Well, that's our what I want to jump into that. Yeah. I'm glad you brought it up because mm-hmm. um, I think a lot of this, and we had Carlos Martinez on the show not too mm-hmm. long ago, the mm-hmm. head of the public defender's office. Mm-hmm. And um, he, he's doing a lot of fabulous things. And, yes. you know, one of the things that we agree strongly with with him is that a lot of the stuff starts with the kids mm-hmm, and starts sure. when they're younger and with education and exposure and opportunity. And and like like Kadisha said, they you know, these young kids, their role models are they see the guy mm-hmm. selling, you know, drugs yeah. on the corner mm-hmm. and he's got the new shoes mm-hmm. and the new clothes the women, and the chains. car and mm-hmm. all that stuff. And, hey, that looks good to me. Mm-hmm. Right. Why not? Mm-hmm. Right. And that's all they see. Yeah, and particularly in this country, in this day and age, when everything is so material based, and what uh, what you look like on the outside, and not Mm -hmm. about you know Mm -hmm. what's what's inside and the really valuable things, Um, Mm -hmm. and that's an unfortunate lesson that we're teaching. But I want to hear about what you guys are doing with the kids because guardian ad litem, you know, Mm -hmm. that's 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 tough work. I mean, that's some of that's really heartbreaking work right it was very difficult so you know i started my career in the dependency system and i started as a guardian so tell me what that means a dependency system so the dependency system is uh, the area of law where children who are abused abandoned or neglected are then processed through Mm. that system so when they talk about the system you you put the kids in the system the foster care system we're referring to the dependency system. Okay. So if um, the most common, unfortunately, the most common example is usually a mother who has a substance abuse problems. Yeah. So if a mother comes in and she has substance abuse problems, she's tested positive for substance abuse, an abuse report is called mm-hmm. on that child. An investigation is done. The child is removed from the mother. The first preference is to place the child with a relative. If the child is unable to be placed with the relative, then the child is placed in foster care. Who's usually making these calls? So Relatives? What do you mean? As to where the placement should be? No, on the the mother. That the mom's using drugs and the kid's not being attended. Who's calling the the, department on those It depends. It could be a relative. It could be a teacher. It could be a doctor. Sometimes mothers test positive at birth when they're giving birth to their children. Mm -hmm. And, you know, certain um, professionals are mandatory reporters, meaning if they see child abuse, they have to call it in. Right? So once a child is uh, removed from the home, excuse me, the mother is given... Uh, a set of rules that she has to comply with in order to try to get her kid back. What's interesting about that scenario, there's certain cases that are very egregious. The substance abuse may be extremely egregious. There's no food in the home. The home is dirty because the mom has a substance abuse problem and is unable to care for her children. There may be a case of physical abuse. 
Um, I've seen kids who had iron burns on them, mm. broken ribs. Mm. I've seen a lot of egregious cases. Sexual abuse of children in any form of fashion is egregious, right? Yeah. Right. Then there are cases that are clearly cultural differences. What you may deem as discipline, someone right. else may deem as corporal punishment. Right. And that's right. a right. cultural difference, right? Yeah. Right. I'm not going to lie. I give my children pop house, uh-huh. right? Call the people on me if you want to. You will be <laughs> returning my children back to me. I give them pop house, right? Right. And, you know, what I deem as a pop house, you may think, oh, my God, why didn't you just put them in time out? Right. Oh, my God. Yeah. So who's making these decisions? Listen, I have kids, and they started with timeouts, and they turned into pow pow. It didn't work. <laughs> I, I tried. Tell you what. I, tried. I mean, yeah. right. I, I wasn't abusing my kids, but you know what? Sometimes a kid yeah. needs a good swift smack of the ass. Thank you. Pow pow. I tried the timeout. I tried talking right. to you. It's not working. Okay, yeah. we digress. No, I'm with you. But, okay, so the folks who are making these decisions, the people who are removing kids from their homes, making decisions on the life of this family, right? Yeah. Whether the kid should be in foster care, whether the mom is going to get the kids back, they might not look like the family. So this is where the plantation system comes <laughs> back in again, right, right. right? The judges may not look like the family. The attorneys may not look like the family. The psychologists may not look like the family. The doctors, all of the players involved that are treating this family may not look like them. So this is why it's ever more important for us to have a diverse bench. I started independent in the Guardian at Lighten program where I represented the best interests of the child. Mm-hmm. That's a whole other can of worms that legal scholars will have to get into at another time. Meaning the child never spoke for themselves. I, in my altruistic, paternalistic fashion, got to determine what was best for this child. Do you see how that's problematic as well? Yeah. And that's a system that's fueled on well-intentioned volunteers. So someone like you, with my eyes and ears, you're my caseworker. Right. You come back and tell me what you think is best for this kid. And then I have to report that. Okay. I later began to work for um, Children and Family Services, which is DCF. Mm-hmm. So now I was with the state. I was the man. Mm-hmm. As I was the man, the people, I had more power I got to control the fate of these black families, black and brown families, because the the reality is that was the majority of the cases Mm -hmm. that came before us. I was able to tell the social workers and caseworkers, you know, that was a pow pow. That wasn't corporal punishment. We're not going down this road. So we have to then convince the judges. But I mean, even corporal punishment is, I mean, not necessarily abuse, is it? Well, so how the statute defines corporal punishment, if you leave a bruise, if you break the skin, if there's a broken bone, that's egregious, right? Exactly. That's abuse. That's definitely corporal punishment. That's abuse, yeah. But you and I are pretty fair skin, right? Yeah. It doesn't take much to bruise, right? No. Is that still really corporal punishment? Not necessarily. But by statutory definition, it is. Yes. So... If we don't have some, and I guess that's the problem with some of these statutory definitions is there a one size fits all, and even though we're all the same, everybody is different. Every exactly. circumstance is different. Yes. But there's right. such that's where your discretion comes in as a judge, mm-hmm. yeah. and that's why it's important for that perspective that we talked about earlier sure. to come through. Yeah, no, I would agree. I mean, there are certain perspectives that I see just because of my cultural upbringing right um and and i happen to have grown up in a very diverse 
household. Mm -hmm. There were a lot of black people around when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. So to me, color wasn't a thing. You were exposed to them very young. I was young. exposed to they all They didn't feel that of, different. Yeah, that right. Was, mm -hmm. That was normal for me. Right. Mm -hmm. I will tell you this, as a little white boy, having your hair cornrowed is incredibly painful. <laughs> as a little black girl. It was yeah, yeah, it was okay, so now yeah, I know. It hurts. <laughs> yeah, it hurts. My little black girl moment. <laughs> <laughs> Too cute. Uh, now, um, so... Now, with the kids, here's here's one of the big questions, and you hear people kicking this around all the time. Um, uh, you know, those people are a product of their environment. They deserve what they get. They're da-da-da. Now, I disagree with that, of course. Strenuously. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, but I do think that education is a huge part of this whole deal. Mm -hmm. For sure. Um, and I also think sometimes breaking the cycle, and as Kadisha said, in the black communities, unfortunately, a lot of the men are not there. Correct. Mm -hmm. Now, look, there's plenty of white women that don't have the men around either. Mm -hmm. uh, this just seems to be a thing that happens sometimes. Mm -hmm. But the statistics are way different the for a white family. But it's yes. more likely that that white woman will find a second husband and be okay mm -hmm. than the black single mom. Oh, is that the statistics? Oh, for sure. That? Oh, for okay. sure. That's interesting. Less likely for us to get married. Less likely, I mean, just across the board. Really? Like, there's no race that deals with the loss of their black, I mean, their male leadership like the black family in the yeah. U.S. Right. You don't see it in the Asian family as much. You don't see that in the Latin family as much. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. but, yeah, it does that. But I see what you're saying, and I see why you take it all the way back. You have as to take far it back. As you did. Right. Because you got to figure out what, where did this happen? So, right. Right. So, how, did it, so right. How, how do we break that cycle? How do we break that cycle going forward? So that is the million dollar question, right? So... We want to say that the product of their environment, it starts with education. All they need is an opportunity. So let's focus on the last one. All they need is an opportunity. So I'm born and raised in Miami as well. I didn't get the shout out in the beginning. Okay. Um, <laughs> Carol said. Uh, all day. <laughs> and, you know, one of the things that we see, for example, in the city of Miami Gardens, um, the headlines that you don't see is that the city of Miami Gardens offers residents a plethora of resources. We have okay. soccer, we have t-ball, we have swimming lessons, mm -hmm. we have a STEM camp that's going on right now, STEM camp that's really? going on right now. We just did a laptop giveaway. We do so much for the residents that is not necessarily captured in mainstream media for yeah, a variety just, I, of reasons. I, I, just, I don't want to digress, but I do want to jump on something about Miami Gardens because yes. statistically... Miami Gardens is like one of the most violent places or has the most arrests. I or want like you to pull a, a lot of walking while black, you know, tickets being issued. Pull those statistics and reevaluate it. There was a recent list that came out that names of all the violent cities in the United States. Yeah. And who made the top three from South Florida? The city of Miami, uh, Homestead. And I forgot the other one, but it wasn't Miami Gardens. No. So that is the misconception that's in the media. And I think that's a show for a whole nother time, okay. right? But the point is I that... I just wanted to jump on that for a second because yeah. I've, I've been hearing that and that also that maybe it's about the policing in that neighborhood. So that's also not accurate, but you do help me get to my other point, though. Yeah. So the point is, the reality is that there is this perception there, that there is crime in Miami Gardens. And I'm going to be honest with you, some of that perception is accurate. The level that you just quoted is inaccurate, and the statistics show that, right? That's provable data. Okay. What we can't control is the fact that, yes, 
last week or the week before, whatever it was, we had a terrible week in Miami Gardens. We did have two shootings back to back. These are facts. The city of Miami also did. Right. Hialeah also did. Is that reported? No, right. yeah. but these are facts. Right. So we can't control the nature. Just got a little of, Brooklyn there. Yeah, by it the way. comes oh. out like Miami meets <laughs> New York. Miami meets New York. You guys get that? And, that's like, like, and when like, I was growing up, uh, I think also that's, like, that's yeah. what they yeah. do. Yeah. Yeah. Like, where are you from? I'm from Miami. Where are you yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Six, so, the sixth borough of New York. Right. Yeah. That's yeah. what they call it. Okay. Right. Little, little New York. Right. So the point is that because we are aware that that perception exists. Yeah. We want to make sure that we give our children every opportunity that we can. Our idle hands sure. are the devil's workplace, right? Yeah. So we want to make sure that community policing is curtailed, not curtailed, that community policing is capitalized upon. Right. So our police officers go to Walmart, hang out with the residents. That's we great. have co uh, coffee with a cop at Starbucks in Miami Gardens. We were at um, Floor and Decor with coffee with a cop. So nice. we have opportunities for community policing. But the idea of our mayor, Mayor Oliver Gilbert, was mm -hmm. to make sure that we offer our residents as much experiences, our children, as much experiences, as much opportunities as we can yeah. to make sure that they can never say, you know, they were just hanging out on the bus stop and then they're watching their hustle right. a friend. So it goes back to that perception. So what can we do, your original question, before we got sidetracked, what can we do to to help the youth mm -hmm. is to do a little bit more of what Miami Gardens is already doing, ensuring yeah. that the youth have other alternatives, ensuring that the youth know their value, ensuring that the youth know their history, as Kadisha already pointed out, yeah. but also ensuring that the people who work with the youth are aware of their own implicit biases. Because go back to that system. Yeah. If everyone in that system does not look like the family that they're helping, they have built in biases towards their and family. And when you say implicit bias, this is a word that's been being mm -hmm. thrown around Big time a lot nowadays, in the media yeah. lately. It's, mm -hmm. like, you know, it's like oh, balsamic vinegar became a thing. I don't know how that so happened. It's like, no vinegar. It was balsamic vinegar. But this implicit bias, I, I just want to ask you guys real quick, what the hell does that actually mean? All of us have preconceived notions about folks. And our preconceived notions may be a bias. You rattled off what you thought was a fact that I countered with statistics. And you didn't mean anything by it, but that's the information that you have received and you formed an opinion. Well, I formed a question. Well, question. Yeah. But that's basically what I'd like to hear what, 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 what you think uh, this implicit bias means, Renee. Well, I think people, are, they come out of their own environments. And when they come and grow up in their own environments, they come with specific perspectives. And those perspectives have a bias. And it may not, they may not even be aware of it. And I think we all have them. So we're human. Yeah. So that's what implicit bias, the, the issue becomes when your bias has a detrimental effect or decision on something else. Right. That's, that's the issue. Right. Because but, you can have that bias, but, but then maybe your frontal cortex can override that and go, that's not cool. That's I'm right. not going to act that way or behave that way because that's not who I am as a person. But maybe there's some primitive brain function triggering that. I think um, implicit bias has a lot to do with being an American. Okay, and living in a place where we have cultures and races and socioeconomics from all over the world. I think a good example that I've dealt with in the last five years, two examples, is the Trayvon Martin case. 
Okay, and I'm lucky and fortunate enough to be exposed to all races. Trayvon Martin was uh, was shot by a white Latin guy neighbor. who used neighbor who mm-hmm. used the standing stand ground. ground to defend. Okay, exactly. Mm-hmm. And I've, I'm fortunate enough that I get to converse with all walks of life: white men, Jewish men, ghetto Dominican girl, elite black woman. And this was a, a heavy conversation. And the number one question I like to ask everybody is. Do you feel different if Trayvon was a Korean kid? Right. And nobody, you know, most of my white friends or non-black friends says, absolutely. They feel bad about it. They feel bad. But if a little Korean boy is walking down your block with some Skittles, does he intimidate you? Mm-mm. Do you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, As opposed I, I, no, to... I, I do. I do know what you mean. Do you know what I mean? And then I even, mean, even totally the most liberal, it. open-minded white person has to stop and go, ooh. Mm-hmm. Okay, I so- do feel different because Asian culture is not looked at as intimidating, aggressive. They're still the smart kids. He must have a laptop in his book bag where right. a black kid must have a gun. Right? Yeah. Same thing when I talk about this police relationship with black men. A 6'4 or 6'2 dark-skinned man with dreads doesn't intimidate me. That could be my cousin. Right. So I don't automatically think something about a very dark-skinned man with sneakers, dirty jeans, and dress. I think he may be a mechanic coming from work. Right. Where my good elite white friend, when she sees that guy, she, she has her implicit bias mm-hmm. that he's aggressive. He right. want, Do you understand what I'm saying? Same thing with Muslims. You yeah. know, when you see a group of women with their hair covered, yeah. what does that make you feel like as an American? Right. And you got and you got to own it. It's because of what we see and what we've been exposed to. So certain things like smart intelligence comes with Asians. Aggressive criminal comes with black male skin. Aggressive comes with black women. You know, nice, gentle, protect the white woman. Smart leadership comes with white men, just naturally as the way the history of culture was structured. Yeah. And I mean, those those ideas have been. Forced and presented to us, media, media, television, programming. Sure, I mean, right, books, everything, everything, indoctrinated. Yeah, it's been indoctrinated. Because I always think about this this thing that the implicit bias maybe is truly an American thing. Mm -hmm. Maybe Europeans have some of it too, but not Mm -hmm. as much as as Mm -hmm. other countries. Because uh, take China for example. You know, everybody's Chinese, Chinese. Chinese, right? It's very different, yeah, it's right? It's not gonna no, be. I think, uh... I think it's everywhere though, because in the sense, there and I'm more... sure there must be levels of it because there must be certain villages in China that they look a little different. And they that guy's like, oh, that guy's from Xi Wang. Right. We all, exactly. I think, do it, but the way America was structured, that it's everybody, and then the way you can move socially, economic wise, is different, right? You don't automatically think Asian, Latin, and Black is necessarily poor in America, not necessarily. Right. Because some of these cultures have advanced. Right. Absolutely. Where like in China, I know because I've visited China, when you have darker skin in China, they think you're a worker. Right. Because you've been outside in the sun more. So then Mm -hmm. you're socially lower. So we so every country does it. Right. But you have way different races. Right. So I have my stereotypes about Europeans. Right. About African immigrants, about Haitian immigrants because of what I've been exposed to. Mm -hmm. But I'm different because I'm a black woman. So there's certain things that I know that perpetuates in my race. I don't also have. Right. Right. Like, for example, my Asian friends laugh that they think that all Asians are so smart and study all the time. They're like, well, we're not. (laughs) You know what I mean? But in classes, they just want to ask the Asian kid or the Indian kid. because We know, you know. No. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know what I mean? So it can help, you know, good and bad of it. But I think during this Trump administration, a lot of racial issues that have been put on the forefront yeah. that we're talking about implicit by a little bit more. I wasn't going right. to go there because I don't mention the, the president's 
name really on this show ever, but uh, something just came up. And since I have three very intelligent women here that are involved in the judicial part of our government, Mm -hmm. uh, Justice Kennedy just announced he's retiring. I think a lot of people were like, because <gasps> this cat has always been like the kind of the swing vote, swing vote to the more progressive liberal side of things, which throughout history always end up prevailing. Even when stifled by the more conservative groups, the progressive and liberal ideas eventually do make it through Eventually. in the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is historically proven. There is some data to back that up. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know we go through these little things every day. And I was just telling I was just telling uh, my wife this the other day. And she's she's from she's an immigrant. She's here from another country. I said, you know, it's interesting. People, we're in such a weird state right now. I said, and when I stop and think, I said it was just fifty years ago that our this, everything was segregated here. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, black and, and white people. Had, yeah, it's right. not that and long ago. It's not that long ago. That's like Nintendo we forget. Right. Yeah, yes. it's just not so long ago. Right. And all of a sudden people are so high and mighty about this and that. But the reality is we've got some uh, mm-hmm. growing to do. We still exactly. got a lot of work to do. There's a lot of uh, wounds that need to be healed. Yes. Um, and there's a lot of bridges that needs to be, that need to be um, crossed. Yeah. But it... it I want to. I, I, I know you're going somewhere, but I'm going to stop you. I oh. want to hear your thoughts on this Kennedy retiring thing and what the hell's going to happen. As a judge running for the canons, prohibit me can't comment. to comment because they say, "Oh, you've already formed an opinion. Oh. You're not unbiased, and when you get on the bench, you already come." Right. Like it's still the canons. You're not allowed to say that. Okay, okay. We'll I know Kadisha has something to say yeah, about it. Kadisha has something to say about it. Go ahead, Lori. And then, and again, I, mean, I, I want to talk about something else. Yeah, I yes. want to, again, educate the public on this because I don't think I knew this until law school. The power of the United States Supreme Court. Right. The po- I mean, okay, so we, and I remember elementary school, like, learned about government, that the United States was built off of checks and balances, right? Mm-hmm. To try to avoid that kingdom... Um, atmosphere that was happening in Europe. But one th- one branch of our government that cannot be checked is the U.S. Supreme Court. They are the final decision makers, yes. right? And their um, appointment is lifetime appointment. So when you learn that, um, you realize how important their seat is. Yes. And I remember in um, law school, constitutional law is a big deal. We all take it. And I remember thinking, like, when are we ever going to really use this? Because at that time, I thought we were so progressive. Like, when is abortion going to come back up? Or do you know what I mean? Voting rights. Like, woo. Like, we're, we're, we're way past way that. Better. That was 50 years ago. How, right. Or how do we impeach yeah. a president? And, you know, no. <laughs> you know, how does all that. Difficult. Very. But, <laughs> but when is this going to come up in my lifetime? Like, right. this is all founded. And this era that we live in now makes you check the Constitution and things that we thought were established law, like Roe versus Wade. I mean, and to me, it's baffling that this is going to be, it's coming, it's going to come back up. Mm-hmm. It's gonna gay marriage, yeah. gay rights, transgender in the military. Those issues that we thought we had put to bed and yeah, we progressed. Done. No, no, they, they're coming back up. Yeah, but even though the Supreme Court already ruled on gay marriage, 
It Even the back Supreme up. Court already, it can come back up. Yes. Yeah. So what the states and, can do now is attempt to pass laws that right. are encroaching on those previous rulings. The federal laws. Exactly. Mm-hmm. The, the, the states can now say, oh, okay, well, Roe v. Wade, let's see how far we could push this to put Texas more limits. Texas has been pushing the hell out of it. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So now is the prime time for them to push it even further and someone to bring a case to challenge that for it to go up to the Supreme exactly. Court. Now that becomes new law. If the court decides to take that on and decides to change Which is crazy because countries like Ireland and Argentina who have had abortion be illegal forever Mm -hmm. just passed. Of course. Right. No, this this is wrong. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. And and as a man, I don't feel I have any position on this conversation because I don't have the ability to be pregnant. And I think it's really a woman's... It's a woman's conversation. And right. uh, I always tell people that are against it, I'm like, so don't have an abortion. Or what I say is make sure that you are pro- you are promoting and funding public education, right. public health care, yeah. and you're anti the death penalty. Yeah. Because all of that is a big contradiction. Of course. That you, we want you to have the baby for religious reasons. But when a baby gets here, oh, I want to give him public well, school. that's a huge... I don't want to give him health care. And if they become right. a criminal, which the majority of them, you right. know. Because if you look at when abortion... We're going to kill him. Right. right. We're going to kill him. Because this yeah. eye for eye to, you know. And yeah. one thing I learned in law school was that once abortion was legal, the amount of crime decreased. Because these women are trying to tell you, I can't afford to have this baby. Right. This baby is doomed. Believe her when she says that. Like, yeah. if she feels that way, don't question her. Because then when that baby comes out, who are these kids becoming? Yes. Mm-hmm. And then we're so anti-crime, anti-crime. But make sure you have the baby. No, it's, it, it's it, it, yeah, very, it's a right. very... And, and we know what kind of justice our president is going to appoint. It's going to be a conservative justice. And we're going to have to deal with that for a lifetime. A That's lifetime, the point yeah. that is concerning. So all the progress that you said that, you know, we were making, it, 50 years was really just yesterday. Yeah. Right. And we are in a fragile state because our nation is still divided over those same issues that plagued us 50 years ago. Yeah. I think that's the climate that we're seeing right now. So if we get a conservative justice, which we will, which we will mm-hmm. everyone should be very concerned about which way the court is going to lean. The immigration laws, healthcare. the healthcare laws, mm-hmm. the abortion no, and laws. These, these, educa- yep. And these decisions, they affect we can see clearly they affect generations. Generations. They affect generations. And, you know, keep in mind, like Kadisha said, the Supreme Court is supposed to be the final checks and balances. So even though the court, ultimately the progressives have prevailed, look how long it took, though. Yeah. Right? So it's a slow-changing wheel. But if the court is supposed to be the ultimate um, purveyor of truth, right? Supreme Court. What's going to happen when we have another conservative on there? Yeah. I'm not going to ask you, Renee. <laughs> yeah, no, You're not allowed to answer. I'm not but. allowed to answer. <laughs> I wanted to really just talk about one of the things. you Because I yes. don't want anyone to think that I'm running for judge and because of the issue for diversity and my, that I'm an African-American female, that's why I should be on the bench. Sure. I want to make it very clear that I'm totally qualified of course. to be on the bench, yeah. meaning I have tried more than 150 cases. I train attorneys in Miami-Dade County. I have done CLE courses for attorneys in Miami-Dade County. I travel all over Miami-Dade County lecturing on legal strategies and education. I'm well-known in the courts 
sure. for my qualities. But I do. And I'm glad you. I'm glad you brought those things up. I think it's important that anybody that hears this knows that. Yes. And um, because that's a I, criticism at times that are these people qualified when you talk about diversity. Sure. Mm-hmm. Of course. Mm-hmm. Well, are, they, is she just getting the job because, because she's a woman? woman or a woman, yeah. or, a woman yeah. or she's a Latin right. or right? That comes and, up. And, right. I, and I wanted to make that clear, not only about my qualifications, but about my commitment and service to this community. And talking about our kids, you raised a question. You said, "What do we do about these kids?" First of all, I just want to tell people. Sometimes kids do stupid kid stuff because they are kids. The public defender's words, exactly. He said, sometimes kids just do stupid kid stuff and they got to be given a break because it's just, especially young men, you know, they have a lot of energy and they sometimes do stupid stuff. Listen, I did it too. And I was able to, you know, my parents had some money and they were able to get me a lawyer and, uh, you know, I didn't get any charges. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, uh, mm-hmm. did stupid things. Exactly. And yet Florida is number one in direct filing kids to the adult system. That means transferring children wow. ages 14 on up to the adult criminal system. Most people think for violence things, but for nonviolent. Really? Not really, yes. Mm-hmm. With no due process. Why is that? How can that be? That's because the state has been given ultimate authority to direct file. No review. To direct file. And direct file means transferring a juvenile to the adult system with no overview. Because they say, oh, this kid, this crime was so heinous, he should be tried as an adult. No, not at all. But that's what you hear. That's what you hear, but that is not what's happening. As a matter of fact, in Miami-Dade County, most kids are announced an intent to direct file for nonviolent offenses. Wow. Yes. Like what? Like... Um, let's call it, what's in my case, a burglary to a golf course, called golf cart. He went and he took a golf cart. Oh, come on. We all did that. Or, <laughs> or, or some kids were hanging out at an abandoned building, and they were listening to music and talking. But the abandoned building was a house, and when you walk into the house through the gates, that's a burglary of an unoccupied dwelling Sounds or structure. Like trespassing. Trespassing, or you, yeah. yeah. Or you break into somebody's shed. Or you joyride. Yeah. And that's a grand theft because the car was stolen, but you didn't know it. You got in the car with someone, they right. said you knew or should have known. That's a grand theft. Kids are being announced an intent to direct file to the adult system for that. But what is so egregious is the lack of due process, meaning the attorney does not get to talk to the witnesses does not get to do a deposition, does not get to get police reports or bolos, nothing. A kid has two choices. Either you plead guilty, go to a 9- to 18-month program to keep it in juvenile, or you get direct file to the adult system. Now, why are they doing that? Is, are any of these facilities private facilities? I'm curious because that seems to be... Mm-hmm. Like one of the things, there's a system set up in other states. You hear mm-hmm. that they actually have contracts oh, that yeah. require them mm-hmm. to keep their prisons ninety percent full. So, how does that contract work? That means you have to have people being put in jail. Yeah, you need you need customers. Yeah. <laughs> right, that's, that's how you a make a sick, profit. That's a sick system that we yeah. have. Yeah, that, that, yeah. This whole private prison system, system is. I don't get be. it, and I think it's awful. Mm-hmm. I think it's unconstitutional and un-American. And for our kids who in prison won't get, if they go to a program, at least they'll get education. They have to be mandated education. At least they may get mental health services. It's rehabilitative. Yeah. But to send them to prison where there's not rehabilitative yeah. 
It's strictly punishment only. So, so are you saying kids don't get a second chance if they make a mistake? It's punishment and that's it? So They're who, not redeemable? Who's, who's making these decisions to send these 14-year-olds and 15-year-olds to prison? Mm. Who's, who, who's making that decision? Is it an elected official? No, it's the state attorney. The state attorney, um, the well, the legislative legislation <laughs> gives the state attorney the unfettered power to make the decision. One person, not a judge, the state attorney, the power to make the decision to not direct file or not. A judge does not even get involved. Yeah, but so how does one person deal with a whole state worth of juvenile mm-hmm. things that, I mean... I can barely delete my emails in a, in a, in a day to, you know what I'm saying? That's a lot like, of power shit, right? That's this an person awful has, lot of yeah. power. So one person in, in, in Miami-Dade County is one state attorney. Well, Renee means the assistant state attorneys yes. that are on the, the ground. So right. just like the public defender is a different that assistant. Office. Right. The office, right. But yeah. the state attorney is an elected official. Yes. We should be mindful. Just like the public defender you met, Carlos Martinez, yes. is an elected official. Right. So if her policy, the state attorney's policy, which we won't call by name, but if her policy... call her by name. Everybody trying knows to get her, her on right? the show. Everybody knows her. Kathy, you heard that? He's yeah. trying mm-hmm. to get you on the show. <laughs> we'll see her in a couple of hours. We'll tell her he's <laughs> Yeah, we'll so. see her soon. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, no joke. Good. We'll see her in a couple of mm-hmm. hours. trying to get her on the show. We'll, we'll let her know. So if Kathy's policy is... To like, handle the cases supposedly like that. she has a lot of good programs going on also. She does. Yeah, she and does I, a lot of yeah. community she outreach yeah. and she does and a I'd lot like of to hear about those. And I have some questions for her too, so <laughs> see if you can get her in here for us. Oh, we got you. I'll do a one on one. You heard that, right? <laughs> <laughs> but if that's her mandate, then her troops on the on the ground right. are executing. So that's something else that the voters should be aware of. Yeah. I just wanted to go back a minute. And let me just say this. Oh, Kathy ahead. may tell you that the direct file in Miami Dade County is going down. The numbers are going down, but what they don't tell you is the announce and intent to direct file, where literally you're saying, I'm going to take a plea in order not to go to... Right. Which yeah. is that long So there's the pleas. Up. Way up. Well, yeah. Way up. Yeah. Uh-huh. We, we, and we've had programs about pleas and how that works, and it's... Uh, it's, it's another, that's a separate episode that you yeah, did. It is, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's, yeah, it's, so. it's a fascinating area of, of no the discovery. system. Right. Yeah. No discovery. Yeah, None. Yeah, and then the, the, the penalties that you face if you actually do go to trial, the, the trial tax. Um, right, yeah, right. Which is crazy. It's crazy. So we wanted to touch on the voter awareness piece. Yeah. So just like, you know, your question was, who makes that decision? Well, the state attorney is an elected position. Right. The public defender is an elected position. Mm-hmm. Judges are elected. Your local... Um, Policymakers are elected, the county commissioners, the school board directors. So I think the constituents really need to understand that at every level, whether there's concerns about the policy that's being written, the mm-hmm. laws that are being written, or how the laws are being enforced, we have the yes. power to control that. We vote for these people who make the laws and enforce the laws. Absolutely. And if you don't know what a constituent is, that's you if you vote and you live here. Exactly. You are the constituent. a constituent. You're a, even if you don't vote, you're still, you're a, still constituent a constituent. Right. Right. Because all the decisions yeah. that are made, you, exactly. right. you should be registered to vote, yeah. you should get out and vote, and you yes. should have your voice be heard. If you have any complaints, the minimum wage isn't right, your rent is too high, right. your neighbors are getting on your nerves, whatever it is, yep. whatever concerns that you have, those are all regulated by a law that was created by somebody and that someone has to enforce. Right. The beautiful thing about this democracy is that everyone can have their voice be heard. Yeah. <laughs> You talked about numbness in the beginning, and I keep trying to get back to that. 
the last 50 years, we've been disenfranchised. We were empowered at first when we had the civil rights movement. And then mm-hmm. at some point, we just got complacent because we thought everything was great and we were right. in this kumbaya moment. Right. Then when we began to realize that there was still some work to be done and folks attempted to tackle those issues, they became disenfranchised and disheartened. They didn't understand the gravity of their power. Yeah, it's an uphill battle. Mm-hmm. But you have to keep chugging up that hill yeah. and make your voice be heard. That's yes. the only way to effectuate change. Yeah, I mean, I think also I always say this on this program many times that I don't know when or where it happened, but it seems like somewhere 40, 50 years ago, schools, somehow there was a decision made to stop teaching civics mm-hmm. and not to, to not have our electorate you know, our people in our community be educated on how this system works and how the branches of government work in their everyday life. Because, again, people get so caught up in what new sneakers they're going to have or what car they're driving or what, you know, so-and-so has. Now it's a whole different world with the social media. Facebook. It's a a whole other world that didn't exist 10 years Mm -hmm. ago. Exactly. Uh, And the restoration of rights, too. We're talking about people having rights, but that's going to be critical. Uh, that's going to be on this ballot, the restoration of rights of people who are you ex- Former felons, you yes. mean? Yeah, that's we a did a program deal. on that also. Great. And yeah, that's good. It, uh, and I'm glad that's coming up for a vote. And I really hope people get out and vote for that. Because look, sometimes you do stupid stuff. Mm-hmm. And some of these men, women have gone and paid their debt. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now it's like, okay, mm-hmm. I've paid my debt. Let me get back in the game. And the thing that I hear on this program a lot that I see also in the courts is um, people seem to think, and I just like your guys' opinion on this, that, uh, you know, people commit a crime and they they go and they get arrested and they go to jail and that's a shame on you. But there's a lot of people that commit crimes again and again and again and again Mm -hmm. and and they, they just end up going in and out of the court system. And maybe they'll go to jail for a short time, but they're in and out, in and out. And then all of a sudden you get the one person that does one little thing and then they get life in prison. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's where that imbalance to me comes in and that injustice comes in Mm -hmm. because uh, why is that? Why is the system allowing that to occur? People coming, you know, Mm -hmm. in and out, in and out. And I've had, I've had, police officers on this show saying yeah i arrested that guy six times and he's in and out in and out Mm -hmm. but you know did you ask what did he arrest the guy for six times i mean sometimes he's arresting him a six time for having an open container of beer right you know so yeah you arrest him for that he spends two or three days in jail because he can't make a bond for having an open container of beer and you keep arresting him for that Right. Mm-hmm. You know, so what is it that he's I, keeping I agree. for? Mm-hmm. I agree. It, it depends. And I think that, um, you know, there are sentencing guidelines that we have, that judges have, that allows for some discretion, some not, mandatory sentencing does not. But So you're talking about minimum mandatory, which are, are part of the law. Now, do, do judges have any discretion on those? On those, no. No. No discretion on minimum mandatory. Really? None. That's a legislative decision. That is and are, are those federal guidelines or state guidelines? State guidelines. They are. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. But in terms of policing, and you know, you talk about people coming in and out of the system. When I think about children, though, I think about what can we do 
to keep kids from coming into the system. And part of the question becomes to our mindset. And it's our mindset of, am I here just to look at what this kid did? Oh, he joyride in the car. That's a trespass. If he didn't know, let me deal with that. Or should we be asking ourselves, why are these kids here? And then doing things, evaluations, trying to find programs. I mean, mm -hmm. I was on the initiation of the pilot project for the Department of Juvenile Justice to create standards and programs for our kids in South Florida to ensure that we have a good system for our kids. Mm -hmm. But we need an expert on the juvenile bench, somebody who understands ACE factors, somebody who understands why the people keep coming into the system. Right. Because that's the question that you're asking. You keep arresting me for a thing. If I'm only addressing the actual thing that you were arrested for, and for kids, not why you are arrested, or not why you're here. Right. I, I agree. The why mm -hmm. of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The what's, what's going on in the whole system that's that's causing the this this reaction the this holistic constant approach. reaction and i think we have to change what a criminal a stereotypical criminal looks like mm -hmm. okay cuz i think to your point who gets arrested who has private attorneys mm -hmm. and who doesn't as to why somebody is doing time and why somebody can do the same things over and over again and not do time right you follow what i'm saying totally because if Certain cops are in certain neighborhoods, and to Renee's point, and are continue to arrest certain things. You see what happens. Yeah. Where, the example, I've heard cops that when you see and you're in a wealthy neighborhood and you pull over uh, a, a kid who's drinking, these cops are like bringing them home. Do you know what I mean? Like instead of saying DUI, your life is damn near over. It's going to cost you ten grand. It's, ooh, we don't want you to endanger yourself, so we're going to bring you home. Or they don't make as much arrest in certain neighborhoods. And yeah. then when it happens to somebody like you, Joe, your parents are on it. Yeah. Oh, no, they realized what it would have meant for you to have a criminal record. Right. Right? Where yeah. mother of five was doing it by herself. What am I totally. to do? And then yeah. private attorney versus public defender. All that stuff. So yeah. I don't think it's a black and, and not white. every crime gets a public defender. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's right. the problem. That's yeah. another, right. So, I mean, listen, it's, it's um, overwhelming to walk into a courthouse and walk through those halls just as a spectator, right. I have been there uh, on both sides as a you know as somebody that had to show up for an arraignment and mm -hmm. somebody who showed up because hey that guy owes me some money. But mm -hmm. either way, it's intimidating. It's super intimidating. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's yeah. overwhelming. It I is, cannot yeah. imagine being a 15, 16, 18, right. 19 year old kid right. and being alone. Mm -hmm. right. <laughs> right in that system. Right. It's it's terrifying. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. And Khadijah, to your point, it's not only just who the cops arrest, but it's also who the state chooses to prosecute. That's another thing. And, right. Um, so that it, whether it gets yes. That's the second step. Not. Right. Right. And that's why um, I do believe we need diversity in the state attorney's office as well. It mm -hmm. goes across boards. Because What's the state attorney's office look like? Hmm. <laughs> it's funny that you all got really quiet. I, I think that the diversity in the state attorney's office is definitely a must, but I think it's training from the top down, right? Like you spoke to Carlos Martinez. He has a very progressive overview. I've spoken to him plenty of times. Yeah. I, I understand his stance on the issues. Um, the difference is at places like the state attorney's office, more so I think than the public defender's office, and I think Renee could correct me if I'm wrong, you have fresh-faced attorneys, 
who are trying to get litigation experience. Right. They right. don't have the life experience to understand that they need to treat these cases holistically. Right. They don't have the life experience to understand that they need to look at the causes of why this person continuously gets arrested. Right. So I think if that mindset was addressed from the top down, mm-hmm. then it would be It's you an know, interesting thing that you say it like that. I mean, because we've heard those conversations, but it's an interesting way that you put it in saying the these young uh, prosecuting attorneys are trying to get experience. Prosecutorial oh, sure. experience. In, in the courtroom. Mm-hmm. And how do you get that? You try so, cases. You try cases, yeah. Right. And if, if that's right. how you build your cred and your rep, they right. have no intention. To, uh, well, sure. And who no doesn't want to win? Exactly. And for them, winning is And they're is, humans too, right? These yeah. prosecutors are humans, yeah, right? Yeah, they're human beings. But I do yeah. think we can do better in um, mending the relationship between the state attorney's office and the community. Yeah, I mean, because they represent the community. Right, they're supposed to, the state, right? But similar to the cops, if they don't know the community and they're not connected to the community, because I know fine state attorneys, that they understand as black women, black men, Latin women, their importance there. Sure. That they can relate to that defendant and say, you know, we're not going to charge him with X, Mm -hmm. Y, and Z, as opposed to those that L'Oreal's are coming to that just want the litigation experience. That's, yeah. You know, and it's different. Totally. Right. Yeah, and I I mean, I I get that. I think it's, um, I I think it's uh, important that more people in the community that aren't charged with crimes uh, somehow familiarize themselves with these people and right. these positions mm-hmm. because it is a big part of our community and how mm-hmm. our community functions. Right. And, you know, the state and then the country, the same, you know, where it used to be back in the day where Miami radio went, the rest of the country followed. Exactly, exactly. Right, right. You know, hopefully, you know, we can do similar things. Mm-hmm. Um. I just, we're about out of time, and I just, we have a thing that we like to do here at Felony Miami at the end of the program, and uh, that is I like to ask our guests what they're listening to musically, uh, who's on their playlist, who they're listening to. It could be new, it could be old, it doesn't make a difference, I just want to know the truth. Who have you got on your playlist this week? Okay, so... It depends. My playlist is very diverse. He's saying this week. This, Today's Thursday. This week. What were you playing yeah, this week? This on week, the spot. Uh-huh. Right. I've been a... Trick Daddy, Drake, <laughs> Mary okay. Mary. She had me uh, nervous. I thought she was going to say ABBA or something for me. I was like, oh, damn, girl. No. <laughs> okay. Tamala Man. So okay. I range from gospel to trap music. Nice. It just depends on my mood and my Whatever mindset. Moves you. On the way down here, Mary Mary. <laughs> I had to get my mind right. That's a gospel. I had to praise him. Get Renee, what you nice. listening to? But see, what I'm listening to is books. Uh, <laughs> audio okay. books. I'm listening to audio books. All right. That's okay. what's on my playlist. So I'm listening to a biography. And I'm Who's biography? Um, it's on Miles Monroe. It's a oh. major. And I listen to Freedom. I'm listening now to Freedom Summer that was given to me by someone. I'm okay. David Lawrence. Okay, but when you have the music on, <laughs> who are you grooving to? When I have the music on, I, I guess I like old R&B music. Hmm. How old are we going? We're talking about like 60s, 70s? 70s, 80s. Yeah, 70s, 80s. Right. I guess a good era. There's, yeah. there's some good Miami soul music yeah. from that era. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, so if this week I would have to say I'm listening to the Carters. Jay-Z and Beyonce still. Okay. Their new album. I've All been right. loving that. 
Um, I'm listening to the new J. Cole a lot, the K.O.D. Nice. And I'm listening to FDF artists. Okay. All right, Yogi, oh, yeah. right? Nice. Jit okay. and Little Ted. Nice. And I'm a big fan of Barca Nova jazz music. Really? Yeah, I can't speak a word of Portuguese. But, you know, I got to calm down cool and when, I, when I have oh, yeah, to. Yeah, yeah. In that cool office, groove. when it gets yeah. hot, I can sing some passionate Portuguese. Nice. Yeah, I don't know oh, what yeah, I'm saying. you got it, really. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what it's all about. Doesn't they can matter. say a lot of things, yeah, stuff, yeah, but it yeah, makes yeah. me feel good. Yeah. 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 I forgot to say my gospel, too. Man. Of course, we all yeah. got to say my gospel. gospel. Of course. Yeah. I just married yesterday. Yeah. Take the shackles off my feet so I can dance. Love it. Well, you guys yeah. have been fabulous guests. No, I thank you for thank having you us. All again thank, for this you. Yes. thank you for having us. Great thank conversation. For yeah. the Felony Miami team, I'm your host, Joe Stone. Don't forget to check us out online, felonymiami.com. You can catch our show on Spotify, uh, iTunes, any of your favorite RSS feeds. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.